Let's pray together. In the name of Jesus, God, at your name, there is power. Your name is not hesitant. Your name is not passive. Your name is not bashful. Your name is powerful. Your name performs. And we ask and declare the name of Jesus over our time together this morning, over the words I have to say. May everything we do today in the life of this church make much of the name of Jesus. In your name we pray. Amen. I want to welcome those who are here in person. Welcome all of you who are joining us online. Uh, great to see you, or I guess you get to see us. It's, just, it's great to be together. It's good to see at least half of some faces. And uh, Kip, thanks for leading us in a powerful time of praise this morning. I want to talk about two things this morning. I want to talk about awakening. Our new vision is awakening, that we are a church, that uh, we are being awakened to the greatness of Jesus. So the next five weeks, I want to talk about what it means to try to live as people who are wide awake, who are staying alert, who are paying attention. So this morning, I want to talk about awakening, and I want to talk about responsibility. I want to talk about what it means to live lives where we are awake. And I want to talk about responsibility. I want to root these two things in a few biblical places throughout the Bible, uh, familiar places in the Bible, and then I hope to end by giving you a few practical things you can do to try to live a life this week where we are, we're wide awake, we're waiting, we're looking to see what God is up to, and where we are, we're caring as God, as God has given us some responsibility that we're trying to steward that responsibility well. Let me start with what it, being, what it means to be awake. Now, some of you are better at waking up than others. You're in 11 o'clock service. I don't know if that's because you prefer this or when you saw that we're offering an 8.30 in-person service, you thought there's no way I'm doing that one too early. So let me just see a show of hands. And if you're sitting at home, you can raise a hand. Or if you're on Facebook right now, you can just put something in the comments section. When it comes to being an early bird or a night owl, how many early birds do we have here? Just a show of hands. How many night owls, people who like to stay awake? All right, you like to stay up late. How many of you consider yourself to be both? It's just a gift that God has given some of us, right? When it comes to waking up in the morning, what is it that helps you? How many of you wake up and like the first, your first thought is, I need caffeine or coffee, just a show of hands. Like just somebody could just bring it. It could be sitting by your bed. And the moment you wake up, you're ready to have it. How many of you, when you wake up, you can't wait to work out? Exercise is on your mind. Do we have anybody? All right, we got a couple. Um, now, some of you have trouble waking up. It's hard to wake up. And some of you, the reason it's hard to wake up is because it's really hard for you to go to sleep. Uh, which connects to our faith journey with God. That sometimes it's hard for us to live lives where we're awake because we're not resting well. Now, I'm, I'm married to a woman, and Casey knows I'm going to mention this this morning because Casey considers sleeping to be a hobby of hers. It's, she considers it to be a spiritual gift. Casey does not take naps. Casey hibernates, and Casey can take a two, three-hour nap and still go to bed at night. Now, we've traveled overseas a couple of times over the last few years for our 15th anniversary. We flew to Rome about a year and a half ago. We flew to Israel for a trip of the Holy Lands. And when Casey's on long flights, she's miserable because it is so hard for her to sleep on planes. For me, it's not much of a problem. Now, when I'm on long, long flights, I, I want to watch like every movie available because as a parent, it's hard to watch movies. But when I sleep on planes, I can sleep fine. It's, it, everybody ugly sleeps on planes and you just have to accept that, that your mouth's going to probably fall open. It's not going to be pretty. I can do that. Casey can't. So a few years ago, she was researching, how do you sleep well on planes? And she discovered something on Amazon. If you go to this next slide and show this picture, there's this, uh, it's a blow-up pillow. 
So what you have to do is you pull it out of your purse or your backpack, and then you start blowing it up. Now, all the people sitting around us are looking because they can hear it. It's like somebody is blowing up a raft. Like, people are like, I want to be by the lady with that pillow because if this plane crashes and we need a floating device, I don't have to find one. She has one big enough for all of us, all right? So she's blown up this pillow, and then she's able to sleep at least until the air stays in there, right? Uh, and it's not too embarrassing for me. It's fine. Now, some of you, it's hard for you to go to sleep. It's hard for you to wake up. There's a story of Jesus. All four Gospels tell a story that the, that the night Jesus was betrayed, the day before Jesus hung on a cross, the night before that, he's in a garden and he's praying. And he's there with some of his followers. And three different times, Jesus says, stay awake. And Jesus is saying more than don't go to sleep. Jesus is the, the word there, the phrase Jesus is using to stay awake is be spiritually, be spiritually alert, like pay attention. Because that night Jesus knew there's not just a connection Jesus needed with God, there's a connection Jesus wanted his followers to have with God too. Like stay awake, be spiritually alert. Now for some of you, for all of us, to be awake with God means that we need to take seriously what it means to be awake to other things in life. Some of us need to be awake. We need to come alive. We need to awaken to some of the sin in our lives so we can learn how to be awake to God in our lives. We need to wake up to some unhealthy emotions in our lives and some unhealthy allegiances so that we can come alive and to be awake for what it is God wants for us in our lives. To be awake in God is to pay attention. It's to be spiritually alert. It's to be looking for what God is doing in our lives. So, so to, I want to talk a little bit more today about being awake, staying awake, being wide awake. Now, I also want to talk about responsibility. Now, here's the thing with responsibility. There have been times in your life, in your lives, when someone has given you responsibility, so they've delegated something to you, they have trusted you with something precious. Maybe they trusted you with an item. There are times people have given you responsibility and you blew it. They trusted you with something, you lost it. A boss, an employee, someone trusted you with a task or a project, you didn't succeed, you didn't do it right. Somebody trusted you with a car, you wrecked it. Someone trusted you to pet sit for them, the pet died. Like, I, I mean, things have, like some people have given you responsibility and you blew it. And then there are other times people have given you responsibility and just the fact that they gave it to you, they trusted you with it, did something to your confidence, to your morale, just that someone would trust you enough with a task or with an item or whatever it may be. They trust you with it. It did something to you. So let me speak just for a moment. Over the next five weeks, I'm going to talk some about the new vision of our church. For the next nine months, beginning here in a couple of weeks through April, we have some initiatives. So for those who are in person, you're going to see some of this, of this live. Now, uh, because we're doing church a little differently right now, we're not going to have tables set up in, in our lobbies where you come and sign up. We're trying to care for all those who are still joining us online, and some of you need to be staying online with us. We're a church with a lot of different locations, and we're not begging anybody to come to our in-person services. We're just asking you to stay connected to us, stay connected to this body. Uh, and, and almost everything we do right now, we're trying to filter through what this means for an in-person crowd and also what this means for those who are staying online online with us. So as we have some vision initiatives coming forward in the next eight to nine months, we're keeping in mind where people are staying connected to us through. Next week, 
My mom is going to be here to co-teach, co-preach with me. We have a book that's coming out in a couple of weeks, and it fits so well with our vision. And my mom and I are going to be up here on the stage. I would love for you to either be here in person or, or tune in and just be praying for that message. Uh, um, I'm, really, I'm really excited about that. Open your Bibles to Genesis chapter 1. As we think about what it means to be awake, to stay awake, and the responsibility that has been given to us, I want to start in a very familiar place, a place that has revolutionized a lot of my life and my ministry. In Genesis chapter 1, verse 26 through 28, here's what it says. Then God said, let us make humankind in our image, in our likeness. This, this right here, when I think about people it's hard to get along with, people around the world who it may be hard to love, this right here has transformed how I think about people. Because if God's willing to create humans in his own image, the image of God is stamped on every piece of God's creation. So how dare I treat any piece of God's creation any differently? So it, the, the creation story, when God creates humans, it's let us make humankind in our image, in our likeness, so that they may rule over the fish in the sea and birds in the sky, over the livestock and all the wild animals, and over all the creatures that move along the ground. In verse 27, three different times it, it mentions the phrase God. Created. So God created humankind in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. Like, hey, just don't forget, like God created all this. God created humanity, male and female. And then verse 28 says this, and I highlighted, I put in bold and italics a few of these phrases. God blessed them, which is the first thing God does when God creates humans. Before he gives them a task before he delegates, before he asks them to steward creation, before God does anything and asks them to do anything, God blesses them. God instills within humanity identity and relationship. God blessed them, and then God said to them, Be fruitful and increase in number. Fill the earth and subdue it. Rule over the fish in the sea, the birds in the sky, and over every living creature that moves on the ground. God is asking them to steward his creation. So in the creation story, not only is God a great creator, God is a fantastic delegator. God is inviting relationship from the very beginning that God creates and then God, God creates human beings and then God is asking human beings. to He delegates. He gives them responsibility. Care for the world. It's not that they care for the world and do with the world whatever they want to do with it. It's that they steward it in a way where they protect and promote the goodness of what God has created. From the very beginning, God creates, God delegates. And then we come to the very end of the Gospel of Matthew, the Great Commission. And here's what it reads in verse 16 through 20. That then the 11 disciples went to Galilee to the mountain where Jesus had told them to go. And when they saw him, they worshiped him, but some doubted. And then Jesus came to him and, and Jesus said, All authority in heaven and on earth. And whenever I teach this, I try to make the point that in this moment, through Jesus' obedience to death and through death, burial, and resurrection, all authority from God, all authority in heaven has been given to Jesus. So Jesus, in this moment, could have done with that authority whatever Jesus wanted to do with it. He could have established his kingdom. Jesus could have launched his church in a, in num in a number of different ways. All authority had been given to Jesus. And what Jesus chose to do was to hand that on to people. All authority on heaven and on earth have been given to Jesus. And then verse 19 says this. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I'm with you always to the very end of the age. Jesus is looking in the faces 
of at least 11 people, maybe more, who had just betrayed Jesus, who had just denied Jesus, who had dropped the ball on so many things in life. And, and here Jesus is giving them responsibility, delegating again. It's like people are like, Jesus, you just, you take your authority and do whatever you want. Jesus is like, okay, I have authority, but now I'm asking the church, I'm asking people to be a part of how the good news of Jesus needs to spread all over the world. It's like Jesus is saying from the very beginning, God created and then God gave responsibility. God created and God delegated it even when humans have gotten this wrong over and over and over again. This is God's plan. God keeps giving responsibility to humanity. God keeps inviting humans. God keeps inviting God's church into this working relationship. It's not a co-ownership. It is a co-relationship. It's a co-partnership where we get to be a part of how redemption is spreading all over the world. That's how Paul says it in 2 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 1. Paul says, as God's co-workers, it's a phrase that means working together. As God's co-workers, we urge you not to receive God's grace in vain. In the book of Hebrews, there's this phrase that is used multiple times, more than just the two times that I have on the screen today. And it's this phrase that means shared or partakers. In Hebrews 3 verse 1, it's therefore holy brothers and sisters who share, who partake in the heavenly calling. Fix your thoughts on Jesus whom we acknowledge as our apostle and high priest. And in chapter 3 verse 14, we have come to share, to partake in Christ if indeed we hold our original connection firmly to the very end. So what does this say about God? That God could create and do with his creation whatever God wanted to do. And what God has now done for thousands of years before Jesus and now through Jesus and through Jesus' church, God gives responsibility. God delegates. God invites us to be a part of what God is doing all over the world. What does this say about God? That humanity would get it wrong over and over again, yet God has continually chosen to save people and then to use and commission everyone whom God saves. Right? God doesn't waste the salvation. God doesn't reluctantly save people. God doesn't ever save someone and then the heavens say, well, I'm glad you saved that one, but there's nothing we could ever do with that one. It doesn't happen in heaven. And we're given different size of platforms to reach people in the world. And some people given, have been given platforms to reach thousands and some just a handful. And it all matters for the kingdom of God. And you may be listening this morning, and you may be thinking, I, I, I'm not worthy. I don't feel equipped. I don't feel educated. Maybe I don't even feel willing. I'm not confident enough. But if you read the Bible, the question isn't, does God want to use you to restore the world? The question is, how does God want to use you to restore the world? It's how does God want to use every believer? How does God want to use God's church to shine the light of Jesus all over the world. Now, there's some things, it's God's responsibility. God has the responsibility to save people. God has the responsibility to transform people. God has the responsibility to create and to sustain creation. And, and there are things God is doing in ways that we can see some of them and things God's doing all over the world today, we have no clue. We, we may never hear about it. There are things that are, it's God's responsibility to do them. But we have responsibility too. Now, some responsibility is as small as 
I mean, those who were in person today, in, in person worship, when you leave and you go home or go to a restaurant or wherever it is you go, you get in a car and you have responsibility to be a responsible driver, which means you're not going to text, you're going to try to limit distractions, you're going to get to the place where you need to go, hopefully in a very safe way. Whose responsibility is it for your own spiritual growth? Is it God's responsibility or your responsibility? And it, it's both. God has responsibility to grow, to help grow us, to mature us, but we also have responsibility to have hearts and minds that are open and willing to grow. Whose responsibility is it to eradicate and to push back coronavirus throughout the world? God has responsibility, right? To care for the world God has created, to perform miracles, to give wisdom and knowledge to those working in labs and in hospitals all over the world, but you also have some responsibility to do your job, right? Wash your hands. Wear a mask if you're in public. Let's be responsible. Whose responsibility is it in your life to resist sin? So we pray for God to help do that for you, but some of you, it has to come down to you wanting it in your own heart to say no to some things. So here's what I want to do. We have eight core values that we launched back in May. Eight core values that go along with our vision in the life of this church. And I'm going to walk through all eight of them right now. And just with all eight, what I want to do is I just want to ask, and I just want to make a couple of statements. What is God's responsibility with each one of these core values? And what is your responsibility as an individual? What's the responsibility of the church? So our first core value, one of our core values, is that we courageously anticipate the movement of God. So when we come together to worship, when we come together to fellowship, we are anticipating God, revealing God's self to us, making himself known. We're expecting, we're asking God to do things in our lives and in this church we can never ask or imagine. It's God's responsibility to initiate. It's God's responsibility to reveal himself, but it's also our responsibility that when we come together, we're coming together with open, willing hearts that are eager to see God work in the lives of people. So this morning as we prepared and we came into this worship time, how many of you from the moment you woke up to the moment you came into this service that you're anticipating for your own life or for other people in this space or joining us online today, for God to be acting and, and working in the lives of people. Right? Anticipation. We have a core value about uh, connecting people to God. We want to see people connected to God. This is a core value about evangelism, about connecting people to God who have never been connected to God and helping connect people to the church who have drifted away from God or faith or the church. We have a passion for connecting Whose responsibility is it? Well, it's God's responsibility to save. It's God's responsibility to initiate. Right? We don't get to save people. Right? We don't get to walk by people standing next to a pool or a river or a lake and throw them in and say a formula as they're going down into the water and hope that it takes. It doesn't work that way. We don't get to save people. So it's God's initiative to save then you read in the Bible where God says things like God wants to make his appeal to the world through you, through the church. Where God has asked us, to, asked us to be those who preach and teach and share. We have a core value that says we're, we willingly stand with the marginalized. With the poor who are mentioned hundreds of times throughout the Bible. 
for the orphan, the widow, and the stranger, who together, all three of them are mentioned over a hundred times in the Bible. That we willingly stand with the marginalized. So whose responsibility is it? It's God's responsibility to create people. It's God's responsibility to care for what God has created, to send rain, to give daily bread, to give water for people, to drink clothing for people. God has responsibility, but we have responsibility too. Sometimes we're looking to God to care for the sick and the wounded and those who are in need of care. And God's looking at us and looking at the church saying, I did do something, I created you. Now together let's do something about it. We have a core value that we genuinely care for those who are for physical and mental health. It's God's responsibility to provide an inner peace that can only come from heaven. But it's, it's our responsibility to come alongside of other people, asking for the fullness of the kingdom of God to be in people's minds and in their hearts and their bodies. It's also our responsibility to give space for people to talk about emotions and things they are feeling in life, where they have a safe place to do that. We have a core value that says we boldly hold up and raise up discipleship. It's the mission of the church It's God's responsibility to grow people, to transform what God has saved. And it's our responsibility to know that when it comes to God, this isn't a conversion, pat on the back, good luck in life, but that we are holding up an expectation that we are committed to transformation and for the rest of our lives looking more like Jesus. We have a core value that says we honor the ministry of reconciliation. It's God's responsibility to break down barriers and obstacles, keeping people from each other. And it's our responsibility to take seriously what it means to be peacemakers and bridge builders. So we're not sweeping issues under the rug, just hoping that magically they get better, but we are working for a better world. We have a core value that says we strive to give the next generation a compelling story to live into. It's God's responsibility to keep creating a next generation. But it's our responsibility to do what the Bible says multiple times, which is you tell the deeds of the Lord to the next generation. We have a core value that says we are a restoration movement. It's God's responsibility to restore whatever in this world is broken. And it's our responsibility to come alongside of God, how God is working to to be a part of how God is spreading redemption and restoration all over the world. There are times when I think we may look through all these core values or we may see all that's broken in the world and what we may think is, God, you know what? You're really good at saving people and caring for people and mental health and physical health. Like, you're really good at those things. Just do your thing. And a lot of times God is looking back at us saying, from the moment I created the world, the way I've chosen to do things is I've created the world and now I've invited you to be a part of how I'm reconciling all things. So come together with me. Come together, not as co-ownership, but as co-partners, and seeing what God can do. Mike Cope is a mid-60s, well-known preacher in Churches of Christ. Some of you uh, sat under his teaching and preaching. Some of you who uh, were at at Harding and Searcy for a while back in the 90s. When I was 19 years old, Mike took me under his wings. And would just take me to lunch, take me to breakfast, would just pour his life into me. And two years later, he hired me as his preaching intern. So I sat with him and hired to be his apprentice for two years. And slowly, Mike would give me more and more responsibility. 
When we first started hanging out, he just wanted me to go to lunch with him, and I would ask questions, and he would, you know, impart and just share wisdom. And then Mike started giving me responsibility. He trusted me at the age of 21 to step up on a stage and to preach for him when he was gone in front of a couple thousand people. I had passion, uh, but I had nothing of substance, but he trusted me with it. There were classes that Mike would teach on Wednesday nights or Sunday nights or speaking engagements, and he would bring me along with him, and we would go do prison ministry. And on the way to some of these events, he would just tell me, hey, I have a 30-minute sermon prepared, but you, I'm going to give you five minutes. There were times that we would go to hospitals or someone, someone would be in hospice care at their house, and he would take me with him, and he would trust me to sit with these families and just to be present with them. They're, and then it got to where Mike started trusting me with his house. So he, they would go out of town and he would trust Casey and me to stay in their home. And then he started trusting me with his car. And then his son was in a bad accident in sixth grade where one of his friends died in the accident. And Mike's son broke his back and was, was hurt. But Mike and Diane had a family trip to go on a cruise to Alaska. And he asked Casey and me to stay with his son in their home. He trusted me with his son. And I'm sure you can think through life where there have been people, it may be parents, relatives, employers, whoever it may be who have trusted you with something. And that's just Mike and other people trusting us with things. But the fact that God, the creator of the world, would look at us and all of our failures and say, you know what? Together, let's go change the world. There's something amazing about this God we serve. So I'm going to ask you to do four things, not just today, but reflect this week. Four things you have responsibility over, and you need to think about what this means in your life. You have responsibility on your relationship with God. How you're going to choose to love God, to connect with God. God is working to connect with you. What are you going to do? What's the responsibility you've been given? What are you going to do to love God more in your life this week? Number two, you have responsibility to love yourself. Jesus says, love your neighbor as yourself. Right? To care about your physical health, your mental health, your, um, your spiritual life, just who you are, your identity. What are you going to do to be responsible for your own health? Number three, what are you going to do to be responsible for other believers? Because there are times where the New Testament speaks specifically on how you care and encourage other believers, which is number three. What are you going to do to encourage the body? to encourage uh, people in their marriages, to encourage single people in our church, to encourage widows in our church, to encourage people. And fourthly, you have responsibility to care for those outside of the body of Christ. Coworkers, people in our neighborhoods, we have responsibility to come alongside of the world to represent Jesus in all places, all times. I want to ask Kip and the praise team to come up. We're going to a couple of songs that are going to lead us to communion. And I just want to invite you into a brief prayer time with me. Will you close your eyes, bow your heads? And whether in person or at home online, if you're able to, I just invite you just to open your hands where you are. A lot of times it helps open up my heart to God. And God, I just want to thank you for being such an amazing creator. You're good. And for the responsibility you have given us 
to steward your creation, to care for other people, to be a part of your mission. May we carry that with great care this week. In and through the power of the name of Jesus, amen.